0: From the Shumway Theater in downtown Rockford, this is the Guilty Pleasures podcast presented by Rockford Writers Guild. Here's your host, Connie Coops.
1: Thank you, Jesse. It's true. It's Connie Koontz, and you are listening to the Guilty Pleasures podcast. It's April. It's season one. It's episode 20. And Bahia El Shabazz is back in the Shumway studio, this time with a bonus episode. Hello, Bahia. Hi, Connie. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine. I'm so excited to hear chapter two of Come Back and Tell Me Everything. Great. Is there anything you want to share with us before we begin?
0: Um, not just probably the same thing from last week that it might not be for younger children. Mm -hmm. Um, That's about it. Okay. With that said, let's go. Chapter two. After dinner, I go to the store. I walk the aisles for a long time with an almost empty cart. It's getting harder and harder to think of what to cook for him. I have a list that his nurse texted me things that are supposed to help bring down his high blood pressure. I read it again and again. Beets, bananas, flax seeds, spinach, pomegranates, baked salmon, all foods he'll throw a foot about. It's so tempting to just make the worst things. A man standing at the end of the condiments aisle makes me jolt to a stop. I can't see his face, but I know those long legs and arms, his light skin, The way he stands looking at the ketchup like it wants to fight, his hat turned to the back and his big ears. Right before I abandon my cart and head for the doors on the other side of the store, he looks over and cracks a smile. I lean on the metal handle and breathe. He isn't Richard at all. I smile back and pretend like I'm looking for salad dressing. As he moves past me, he seems to shrink. His limbs aren't longer than average. His ears don't stick out. Nothing about him looks familiar at all. I grab a few things and get out of the store. I know it won't be long before I really do run into Richard, now that he's back and probably doing all the shopping for his mom. This is the only store in our area that sells more than cigarettes and liquor and candy. I'm going to have to start driving across the bridge, to the big store I've heard about but never gone into. Walking across the parking lot, I feel a car pull up and creep along behind me. I don't turn around. I walk faster into the warm wind, almost running. When I unlock my doors, it parks, blocking me in, and someone gets out. What's up? You may hear me calling you? When I turn and see it's just some young guy I don't know, I let go of my breath. I almost laugh my relief out loud. Oh, sorry, I say. I'm deaf in both ears. Oh, okay, okay. He adjusts his hat to the side and clasps hands together. I open my door and toss the grocery bag over to the passenger side. So, how old are you? You legal, he smirks. I look at him. He's short and not very cute and has an energy I recognize. It doesn't seem like he will take it well if I say that I have to go. Almost. He chuckles. Almost, huh? He twists his neck to try to look at my butt again, but I keep it behind me as much as I can. He comes a little closer. I look up and give him a second to see my whole face, in case he wants to back out of this. I don't have on any makeup. He stands here, stroking his chin. Your mommy and daddy gave you a phone or what? No, but I'm a genius, I sigh. And I have telepathic abilities, so if you just think your number real hard, I should get it. Aw, for real? That's crazy. But what about if I want your number, so you can't forget to call? He smirks. I just told you I'm a genius. I don't forget anything. I even remember everything about being born, like the doctor who pulled me out had halitosis. what? he laughs. Her breath stank, I tell him, taking out my phone. Before I start my car, I feel Jamal materialize. I don't look at him. We're silent for a minute. Then he says softly, that guy you just met, don't go anywhere with him, okay? Don't go to his house. Driving home, my phone dings. My dad can't text me. He only has a house phone. One of the only people with my new number is Jada, my best friend, who is kind of my only friend. And she goes to bed at nine religiously, even all summer. She starts getting sleepy at six. I joke that she has a medical condition. But sometimes I worry she might have something for real. And everyone I love is doomed to leave me. I'm coming up to a gas station, so I pull in and see who it is. It's Melvin, the guy I just met 10 minutes ago, asking, yo, what's up? I'm not sure if I ever want to reply to him. I should probably listen to Jamal. Melvin doesn't seem too bright or very nice, but cooking for my dad and cleaning him up and arguing about how many snacks he should eat in an hour are all I have to look forward to this weekend. And I need more distractions from the Mondays speeding towards me. The first day back at school, when I'll have to see certain faces and allow those faces to see me. If they stare at me, I won't be able to scratch their eyes out. If they won't look at me, I'll have to let them get away with that. Either way, I'll have to hear what is being whispered. When I get home, I sit in my driveway, staring at my phone. Not much, just dumpster diving with my dad. Dumpster diving? Yeah, sorry to alarm you, we're homeless. There's no reply for several minutes. Then, all for real? Somewhere else, I will become a brand new girl, pure and holy. A compilation of the sweet, bubbly personalities I've always envied on TV. Clean, untouched, fragile. Someone boys are afraid to break. Nah, just playing. Actually, my dad is a giant monster who's stuck to his bed. I need to go give him a sponge bath now. Bye. LOL, he says. You play too much. I stand over my dad and brush his teeth, lifting a bowl to his lips to catch the spit. I spray his hair with water and conditioner and comb through the curls. I hand him a wet soapy rag. And after he scrubbed his armpits the best he can, I get behind his ears, into the folds of his neck and arms and stomach. I let him lift the sheet and show me the places where he hurts the worst. I help him roll onto his side, rub ointment into all of his sores. Whenever I'm caring for him, his cheeks darken, and he makes sure not to look at me. He picks a spot on the wall above the TV and stares through it, the same trick they taught us in dance class when I was nine, to keep from losing balance in the middle of a spin. Thank you, baby, he says quietly, leaning back again, as I gather everything and leave his room. As soon as I shut my bedroom door, my phone buzzes in my hand, and I drop it like I felt teeth. Parking lot Melvin is dancing across the screen. Hello? I answer fake hoarsely. Who's this? He clears his throat. What up? It's me, your future man. You said call, so that's what I'm doing. Did I? I thought I told you I was bathing my monster dad. "Mm Mm-hmm, he says. He sounds rushed, and not like someone who really likes me. Hey, let me pick you up tomorrow night, okay? Maybe, I sigh. He ignores me. At six, okay? I lie on my back feeling weird. Feeling disappointed in myself and then maybe kind of pretty for a second. I touch my nose, smooth my fingers over the wide bridge. It's like a runway. Tiny models could walk down it, spin and flaunt back up without tripping. I touch my thighs, the sides of my stomach that are getting chubby. Maybe he gets it. He looked at me close enough to see I could be a 10 with a little work. Maybe he wants to get dibs on me before I turn really hot. All night, I never fall all the way into sleep. I keep waking back up, remembering how dumb I've been. Wondering how tomorrow, and the days after that, And on and on and on we'll go.
1: Bahia. Connie. This is a chilling chapter. Yeah. I love Jamal. Yeah, I do too. You know, I love them all. Yeah. Are you ready for the torture session in which I ask you a million questions? (laughs) Sure, yes. Fabulous. We talked a little bit about Jamal last time, Mm -hmm. but we didn't talk about the inspiration for Father. Mm Mm-hmm. For Justin, I was yeah. wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you came to create this interesting character.
0: Well, um, I think my first idea when it was a short story was um, thinking about Gilbert Grape. What's what's um, eating Gilbert Grape? Mm-hmm. The book and in, in the film, um, and I think I that was probably where the first thought of having a morbidly really obese father came from. Um, but his personality, I think, I was thinking a lot about fathers who treat women badly,
1: and then have daughters. And that's kind of where his character came from. We don't see Richard. It's implied that she thinks that it could be him. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about the Richard character?
0: Richard is um, her father's best friend um, and someone that he has always referred to as her uncle since she was born, before she was born. Um, She does not see him as an uncle. Um, She has does not want to see him, and it, her father doesn't really understand that or get that yet.
1: Okay, I gotcha. Parking lot Melvin. Yeah. There he is, mm-hmm. all up in her whatever. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about him a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not in love with this Melvin guy, but I kind of am warm for him too. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about this character?
0: Melvin is definitely um, a compilation of people guys and during my teenage years especially that would approach me in parking lots Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's where he came from um yeah he's obnoxious (laughs) kind of rude but probably doesn't understand that he's being rude she's used to it I think I don't know if she mentioned that in this part but um she's not surprised by it she's used to that um so she's not really offended by I guess but she can tell she doesn't she has some red flags about him, for sure. I want to talk about the
1: fact that you seem accustomed to being approached in parking lots by men.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't for a long time, probably because, I mean, you know, I'm not a teenager anymore, and I have mm-hmm. a bunch of kids in me all the time. But when I was a teenager, yeah, the big thing when I was like 16, 17, 18, was to go to Amco parking lot <laughs> and hang out, and I met, met a lot of guys there. But, mm-hmm. but we'd go looking for the boy we liked there, and yeah, I mean... It was, I'm sure that's still how it is. Like, you know, yeah. guys think it's fine to yell at you from across the street or mm-hmm. approach you in a parking lot or whatever.
1: Yeah. What a funny world we live in. Yeah. It just reminded me when I was a teenager, which was a lot longer than when you were a teenager, we would sit in the parking lot at McDonald's mm-hmm. in our cars and just wait yeah. for other guys to pull up in their cars yes. and then just sort of look.
0: Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. People uh. would get out sometimes and sit in their hoods and... <laughs> Yeah and then during my teenage years I also had two my two teenage friends living with me they were twins mm-hmm. and they um so we had like when they had a boyfriend like their friends would always pull up outside of my house and mm-hmm. so Friday and Saturday nights, we had like lines of cars just sitting at my poor parents, like Mm -hmm. came home to like all these guys bumping their music outside of their house, Mm -hmm. smoking weed. And (laughs) my mom being like, I think they're smoking weed out there. Mom, I can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. It's not my friend. But yeah, so that's where all just thinking about that is, is the kind of world that I'm putting
1: Shana into. Yeah. I love this world. It's fascinating. I have to say, what I like about Melvin is he actually does talk to her. He mm-hmm. actually does follow through. He does right. call her and text her. I like the attention that he gives her. Mm-hmm. So even though he's a little obnoxious, I like that he he's good to his word. Yeah. yeah. So your characters all seem to be good to their word. Yeah, so far. yeah, So, so mm-hmm. far, so far. Let's talk a little bit about Jamal. Yeah. The fabrication. Mm-hmm. What has inspired that for you? Um... I, I don't, I've never had
0: a imaginary boyfriend. I think we said last time that I, when I, I did actually, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. not as a teenager, but um, as a kid, I definitely had an idea of like a perfect boyfriend.
1: I remember that. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is what, what inspires this device in your novel? Because mm-hmm. it gives me the chills. Every time I read this, and then I've heard it. This yeah. is good. This is a chilling character and a chilling thing that you've written. I'm just wondering what inspired that for you? Not necessarily mm-hmm. like past mm-hmm. imaginations for yourself, but mm-hmm. as an author. Um,
0: well, honestly, I think that I, so I had as a short story, it was really about Shayna and her dad. And it wasn't going to have any boys in it. Melvin wasn't in it. Jamal wasn't in it. But when I started to make it into a longer story and realized I needed more complications and more characters, I started thinking, well, she's a teenage girl. She probably has some kind of love interest. And then I started thinking about um, traumas that she's had and um, just thinking maybe she there isn't a boy that she feels comfortable with or is in love with, but she would definitely have a fantasy of one in her head. So I guess that's where it came from. I understand.
1: Uh, back to Shana. Mm-hmm. And she's 16? Yes. And she already has regrets. Mm-hmm. She talks about something that she did in her past that was dumb. Yeah. Um, I didn't start having regrets until I was uh, 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. What's the, what, did, did you already have regrets when you were that young? I don't think I did, think really.
0: Did. that I can remember. Um, uh, it's how so sorry it was so long ago, twenty years ago. Um, I'm sure I had some regrets, but not to the love, not not as big as the ones that Shayna has. Not as
1: big as the ones that mm-hmm. Shayna has. Well, I find that it really interesting that she's regretful, not just forward thinking, but she's mm-hmm. already kind of beating herself up mm-hmm. about things that really weren't her fault. I'm assuming.
0: I think there's some things that were not her fault that she understands were not her fault, but there's some other things that. May, probably were not all her fault, but she takes blame for
1: Okay, very interesting. I love this novel in progress. Thank you. And I'm wondering if you would share with us where you're at in terms of getting it out on the market.
0: Um, so they ha- I have a full draft of it. I'm still working. I mean, I just changed it in the last few weeks a little bit at the beginning. Um, I'm, so I'm still editing it based on feedback from our writing, our writing group that we have. And also um, from um, people outside of our writing group who've read it. Um, I have kind of have an agent that has been representing me for a couple of years. And his assistant gave me some... Good feedback that I am adding or editing with. But um, I'm actually looking for a new agent because my agent does not represent YA. Mm. So he's given me his blessing to find a new one for this project. And so I went to a conference in Madison a few weeks ago, um, pitched it to two agents, and they're both reading it right now.
1: So that's kind of where I'm at. This is what I think is so interesting. You went to a conference, yeah. you pitched it, something you have or have not done before.
0: I went a couple of years ago when I had a novel in progress that is still in progress, because I put it aside. Um, went to a conference in New York called, the, I think it's called New York Pitch Conference. Um, and But they're actually pitched directly to editors. Mm-hmm. So I did have, I knew what pitching was about. Yes, mm-hmm. it was a little different.
1: You went to this conference. You've been to others in the mm-hmm. past. You're an educated person. And how did it feel to be going, even though you still didn't know what the outcome would be? What would you... Well, let's talk about that real quick. Okay. Um,
0: it was exciting.
1: A little, I was a little nervous. Um, but yeah, I was excited. What advice do you have for other writers who want to be taken seriously? As far as pitching or as far as like that or anything? Anything. I like that you have a broad author's platform. You're willing to do a podcast. You're Mm -hmm. a member of the Writers Guild. You're a guest speaker sometimes. You do readings for other people. You have another writing group. You have an agent who gives his blessing to go see another agent. Then Mm -hmm. you go to another conference and you come from a writing family. Yeah. You are a serious (laughs) writer. Thank you. (laughs) You are welcome. And I'm probably forgetting stuff. Um,
0: that's pretty much it. Like I, yeah, like right now I'm in the stage of just trying to write a little bit every day and work on the projects that I have going on. And, um, I've probably become a more serious writer in the last few months. I mean, I have been off and on, but there's been times that I went months or even years, especially if you're having a baby with, um, without writing. So I have been for like last six months at least writing a little every day. Um, I I think conferences are really a good idea because to do when you're at the point where you're, you feel like you have a strong at least first draft, probably not even first draft. Probably it's something that you feel is ready to send out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because both times I went to the conferences, um, the I was able to talk to the agents face to face, and I think, I mean, all of the ones I've ever met has, have requested to read the whole thing. So I think that there's something to be said for meeting an agent face to face, having them getting, have them have the chance to. Um, ask you questions that they want to know more about that they couldn't get from your query or more about you they couldn't mm-hmm. get from their query. Um, in fact, at the last conference I went to, the agent said in the panel, like, they're more interested in talking to you about you and who you are more than even the query about um, the, the, the paragraph you might have prepared about your your book because they can read that later, but they kind of want to get to know you. Okay. So, yeah, for me, it's been a good experience. I've also heard and read that... Um, you're more likely to get a full request from an agent from a pitch in person than you are just by sending it out.
1: So Mm -hmm. so yeah, I would advise it. Okay. So the advice is to get up on your feet and meet people face to face and just try not everything, but most things. Yeah. I love that. Okay. I'm going to ask you that question that that I never answer. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, is there anything you want to share with us that you haven't shared? Is there anything you'd like to say or get off your chest? Or am I forgetting anything that you want to touch on?
0: Mm, um, I, I feel like I should always, every week I say I'm going to think about it for next time, and I never do. I don't really think, of, I don't think you've missed anything that I can think of. Mm. Um, uh, as far as, like I guess, just to add a little bit to what we just talked about. Like, maybe not try everything, but kind of. Like, I think you should try everything that comes... Every opportunity that comes your way that makes sense for you. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Like, when I... the I got my agent that I currently have, kind of, that maybe not may not stay my agent. But um, he approached me after I published... After a story was published that when I sent it, I did not think it was going to win the contest at all. Because I, I just got a rejection on it, actually, from a magazine who wanted me to revise it in a certain way and resubmit it and I didn't agree with what they wanted me to do Well they mm-hmm. actually two things they wanted me to do one I agree with one I didn't so instead of I could have done what they asked me to do and had it published in that magazine but I decided I didn't I didn't agree so I decided well, I'll send it somewhere else and I sent it to this contest thinking there's no way that I would win it and I ended up winning it and my agent contacted me from that so just try every opportunity that that
1: you get. And that makes sense for you. Yes. Yeah. It's really important. I'm glad you said that. It has to make sense for you. Yes. That's very good. Before we wrap up, I want to say something about the sense of humor that I'm really picking up in this. Mm-hmm. And that it's there. This is a serious novel, obviously. Yeah. But it's funny. Please. And I just want to make sure you know that I'm hearing it and uh-huh. that I'm reading it, especially good. with the best friend who's uh-huh. really your only friend. Mm hmm. Who goes to bed at nine o'clock? Who gets sleepy at six? These are funny details. Melvin is funny. Yeah. Jamal is funny. They all have a sense of playfulness about them mm-hmm. that I find very endearing. Okay, And I just I can't wait to read this, and I just want to say thank you for sharing it with us thus far.: Of course, thanks for having me. Oh, is there anything else you want to say? Anything? Nothing that I can think of? All right. Wonderful work. Thank you so much.:
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> The Guilty Pleasures podcast is made possible by Rockford Writers Guild, Rockford Area Arts Council, the Shumway, and you, our listeners. Subscribe to Guilty Pleasures on iTunes or Google Play or download podcasts from our website, rockfordwritersguild.org. Email feedback to editor at rockfordwritersguild.org. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at Rockford Writers Guild and Instagram and Twitter at Guilty Pleasures. Thank you for listening. This is your producer, Jesse Coons. Now go right.